So um, we'll be talking about the area of discipleship. Now, it's interesting that in the Bible, the word disciple, uh, mathetes, is used over 250 times in the scriptures. The word Christian, the actual word Christian, is only used four times in the Bible. So what it seems to be saying is that Jesus' intent is that every follower of Jesus Christ should be more than just a Christian, but rather should be a disciple. And so that's what we've been looking at is this area of discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, particularly in the area of transformation? And um, here's a quote about discipleship. And it says, if we humbly embrace this position as a disciple of Jesus, we must then arrange our lives in such a way that he, meaning Jesus, is able to mold us and teach us. We alone have the responsibility to place ourselves before Jesus because no one else will do this for us. And I like this quote because it's really talking about, okay, as a disciple, there are certain things that people can do for us. There are certain things that the church can do for us, but there are certain things that God says no one else can do except us. And that is to really place ourselves in this position, arrange our lives in a way so that God is able to do his transforming work in our lives, to mold us and teach us. And I believe that, uh, you know, when we say, you know, it's true that, that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But also, you know, if we do nothing, we'll be apart from Christ from his work and what he wants to do in our lives. So uh, becoming a Christian or becoming Christ-like um, is never, it never occurs um, without intentional and well-informed action on our part. And I think I have these, oh, there we go, uh, slides mixed up. So it says becoming a Christian, Christ-like, never occurs without intentional, well-informed action that this is something that we really do need to accomplish or to, to do on our own in terms of discipline. Now, I'd like us to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And this is where Paul is speaking about, you know, what it really means to be a disciple and what God is calling for us. So let's go ahead and let's stand in reverence for the word of God. This is the word of God from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. For even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So from this passage, we're going to see just a simple idea that discipleship is the process of working out our salvation, which involves both something that we do as well as something that God does. You know, it's all about 
placing ourselves in a place where God can do um, his greatest work. Now, if you think about it, anything that we want to get better at or we want to improve in uh, needs work and attention. For example, if you want to run a marathon, you don't just hope one day that you can run a marathon and then just go sign up and run it. You know, there's a lot of conditioning involved. You have to look up, you know, what are the things that I need to do in order to prepare myself to be ready to do this. Uh, any other thing, uh, playing basketball, uh, playing guitar, uh, doing, uh, in terms of artwork, uh, any valuable, personally enriching skill, it requires personal investment. Now, the spiritual life is more than just a skill. Uh, the spiritual life is our life. It's, it's who we are. It's, it's who God created us to be. And, and, and for some reason, sometimes we think that in everything else, we need to work hard, but in the spiritual life, we just need to let God, you know, do something, you know, magical in our life. And we think that there's an exception with the spiritual life. But actually, in the spiritual life, it also requires a certain amount of hard work and intention. In many ways, the spiritual life uh, is both harder and easier. It's harder because we know that <clears throat> no matter how hard we try, we personally, <clears throat> excuse me, we personally cannot transform ourselves. Okay, we can't make it happen. So no matter how hard we try, we can't actually make this. So it's harder. But in the same way, the spiritual life is also easier because God says that he desires for us to be transformed so that, that when we put ourselves in this position, when we desire in our hearts to be transformed, God is very eager to bring about that spiritual transformation, to really give us that power to make those changes. God wants us, he wants to free us from the vestiges of sin that still entangle us in our lives. He doesn't leave us alone to do that. God wants to give us a peace that passes all understanding. God wants to give us that strength to really run the race, that if we ask wisdom, it says God gives generously when we ask so that we might be able to know what to do and how to live in every situation to please Christ. And so these things are not like inferred, they're actually promised in God's word. These are things that God desires to do in our lives. So in a sense, when we think about spiritual transformation, um, we are already promised success. It's already a win because before we even undertake to do this, God says, I'm going to give it to you, you know, if we are willing to undertake it. So in verse 12, it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, if you look at this um, passage, you'll see that there is this repetition of the word, you know, to work out, uh, to work. And actually, there's kind of two different ways in which this word is understood. In the first way, when it says, work out your salvation, this is the idea of putting into practice um, in our daily living the things that we believe. And uh, outworking 
and then God says uh, that he will work, says, for it is God who works and wills to work for his good pleasure. Now, this idea of work means to provide enablement, that as we seek to put things into practice, God also is working to provide enablement for these things to happen. So we see here that, that um, the idea is that God is working, we are working, and we need to be cooperating with God's process of transformation. So how does this actually work? What's involved? How do we cooperate with God's process of transformation? Now this is not a, um, like a formula, like you know, tens things to spiritual success. Uh, these are just principles from God's word. These are timeless truths that enable us to really place ourselves in that position where God can work. So what's one of the first things that, involve, that is involved? The first thing that involved is uh, training, okay, training. Transformation actually takes hard work. It's not God transform me, make me a godly person, and boom. Uh, it is hard work. It's uh, Tim Keller who said, God is not opposed to hard work. Okay, he's opposed to earning things. We don't earn things on our own, but he expects us, God expects us to work. Dallas Willard puts it this way. He says, what Paul meant when he said, train yourself to be godly, he said, um, training is contrasted with the current WWJD approach to Christ-likeness, or what would Jesus do? Okay, so the WWJD is like trying. I'm trying to be like Jesus every day, okay? But training, what, 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 what Paul is saying is not just try, but you must train yourself to be like Christ. I like this idea of trying versus training because, you know, if you're a coach and, um, you know, people are performing on the field and somebody doesn't perform very well, and he comes back to you as a coach and he says, well, coach, I'm trying my best. When I'm out on the field, I'm trying my best to make those plays. But, you know, if you're the coach and you look at that person and they never show up to training, they never show up to practice, they never try to improve or be there with the team, you could be on the field trying as hard as you want, but you're not training. There's no compassion for that. There's a reason why on the field you're not doing well. And see, often we say to Jesus the same way. We say, oh, Jesus, I'm trying so hard to, uh, to be a good Christian. I'm trying so hard to share the gospel. I'm trying so hard to remember God's word when I need it. And uh, maybe Jesus is actually, his response to us is, um, maybe it's time to do more than just try. Try to follow Jesus. Maybe it's time to start training to be godly. And, and, and that's, that's very important. That's something that, again, takes our initiative, takes our effort. David Foster, in his book, uh, classic book, Celebration of Discipline, he gives two categories of training and decisions that actually we must do to grow in our spiritual life. He calls the first one the disciplines of abstinence, and second one the disciplines of engagement. Disciplines of abstinence just means to abstain from something that keeps us from putting ourselves before God for him to work. So, for example, it could be things like 
I spend a lot of time watching TV or Netflix. I spend a lot of time on computer. I spend a lot of time uh, hanging out or just sleeping or, you know, whatever. And uh, to what are the things that I need to, in a sense, abstain, a discipline to abstain from because they're keeping me from being transformed uh, by God. The second discipline is the area of engagement. And this means what are some of the things that I need to be doing so that God can work in my life. It's not so that I can be more godly by doing these things. It's so that I can, so that God can work in my life. If I don't put myself in, if I don't go to the doctor and sit on the table, he can't help me. He can't help me to get more healthy. If I don't go to the dentist and sit in the chair, he can't fix my teeth. I can wish all I want, but I don't place myself in a position to, to, to be changed. In the same way, what are some things that I need to engage in now so that I put myself in a place where God can use me? What are some ministries that I need to put myself in, a, in, in, in that position? Uh, it, it, being in, in terms of meeting with other people, in terms of reading God's word, in terms of being quiet before the Lord, in terms of just, just getting involved in things, areas where God is going to grow my faith and begin to transform and change me to be more like Jesus Christ. And so this is really the first thing that is involved is the idea of um, hard work, of training. You know, what am I doing Am I willing to do the hard work that, that God's going to ask me to do in order to be transformed or changed in certain areas of my life? The second thing is the area of time. Uh, it's going to take time. Verse 14, Paul says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul says, so that in the day of Christ um, that I may not be proud... Um, or labor in vain. And um, again, the idea here of proud is not like boasting. It's really the idea of satisfaction and joy. And you'll notice here that there's a time marker. Paul's saying, in the, by the day of Christ, you know, when day, the day of Christ comes, that's, that's when I'll be excited about, you know, what God has done in your lives. So a lot of times we think about transformation and we want things and we say, well, um, how long is it going to take? You know, that, that's our, and, and, and of course, we want, basically, when we're shopping around for certain things, we want something that guarantees the greatest result in the least amount of time, right? You know, it's funny because you get all these advertisements on Facebook when you're looking, you know, or on Google, and, um, or your, your Gmail, or whatever, and there's always these things like, you know, the, the superhero diet, you know, or the superhero workout, you know, so it's like, you know, if you want to be like Chris Hemsworth, here's the 30-day Thor workout, you know, and they have a picture of Chris Hemsworth when he was like a skinny, you know, whatever, which was computer generated. And then they show Thor like this, you know, lifting these weights and you're going, like, yeah, I can be like Thor in, in 30 days if I just do this diet and do this workout, a 30-day workout. See, that's the consumer mentality and it's really difficult. It's difficult to live a life of surrender and humility. Really. When, when, when we view spiritual transformation in this way, or when we view all of life in this way, right? 
See, nobody wants the, the Joseph 20 years spiritual health workout. Because first you have to spend 10 years as a servant and then 10 years in prison. And you're like, oh, no, I don't want that type of workout. But we see from Scripture, character formation is messy. I mean, if, if we want God to make us more like Jesus, it will take time. It, it will take us uh, experiencing failure, delay, uh, making mistakes. It'll mean working against our own personal resistance and our own fears and our own hesitations. And, and we need time. And God needs time. To, to more time than we realize to, to build these qualities, to bring the transformation that he really does want to bring in our lives. Third element or the process of transformation is uh, community or together, being together. We must do this together. We talked about this last week that, that God established the church as a means, as a place for us to help one another in terms of transformation. Verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you together as a church, as a people of God, may be blameless, innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation. Paul's words, these commands are um, not just to individuals living in Philippi. This is to the whole church, to the community together, that, that when we, uh, our, uh, our spiritual formation is not just me doing the things that I need to do you know, on my own, but it's really being here, uh, allowing God to mold us and transform us as we rub shoulders with one another, as we minister to one another, as we care for one another, uh, even as we hurt one another. Uh, you must recognize and we must recognize that, that it's not just coming to church so that I can be uh, transformed by God. God also wants to use me to be a part of transforming others as well. And I don't want to, to miss out on that. We may say, well, I'm here to help you learn patience or whatever. Hopefully that's not the case. But I mean, you know, we're here uh, to help other people become more like Jesus as well. And our absence uh, can be hindering, in a sense, God's plan or method even for another person to grow in Jesus Christ as well. And so that, again, is very important when we talk about spiritual transformation. And then finally, we've got the three, we've got four T's here, toughness. Now, toughness meaning not uh, like I'm a tough guy or anything like that, but really this idea that we realize that spiritual transformation often occurs in times of suffering and in times of struggle. Verse 14, Paul says, <clears throat> do all things without grumbling or disputing. And uh, generally, arguing and complaining occurs not when things are easy, but when things are hard, right? When things are not going the way we want them to. Uh, when things are not going the way we expect them to. When people aren't acting the way that we think they should act. And this is when uh, complaining and arguing usually occurs. And Paul is already forewarning us to say this process of transformation is going to uh, require us to go through times of difficulty. Times of struggle. Times when we may say, God, why is this... Why is this happening to me now? Jesus, why, is, why, why are things so hard for me? 
in this place right now. Uh, but this is a part of spiritual transformation. This is a part of where God can do things during these points in our, in our lives that he can't do in times of ease, and times of comfort. And we're going to talk a bit about that next week. And so we look at this and say, again, these are the things that are required. Training. We need to say, I'm going to do more than, that, than just try, right? In the famous words, uh, do or do not. There is no try, okay? For those of you who are geeks, we'll probably know where that comes from. Um, time. God needs time. It's not going to be quick. It's going to be for the rest of your lives. Together, the church is an essential part of this process, a toughness. We need to recognize, again, that um, this is something that this year might be harder for us. This year might be harder for us because we are seeking to be transformed by God. And God says, good, I'm going to do that. By the end of next year, or by the end of this year, you're going to be a different person. If you remain where I need you to be, to do the things that I want to do in your life, but be mindful that it's going to require something uh, difficult that we will go through. Now, in application, and this is what I'm actually kind of excited about. Um, what I want us to do is to actually be very deliberate and actually do something. I was going to say pass out a piece of paper and do this, but what, now that we have phones, you can just take pictures of the screen, right? Or you can write it in on your phone if you want to do this. But this is what I want each of us to do you know, sometime this week, or maybe right now. It's up to you. Um, first of all, I want us to have a faith vision, to write down a faith vision. Say, what does transformation look like for you this year? Okay, I mean, you have to have a goal. You have to have a vision. You have to say, um, not just, I want to be more spiritual next year, by the end of this year. And you say, what does it look like? You say, does it look like uh, I, will have, I will have a more consistent prayer time? I'll see more prayers answered uh, uh, in, in my life. I'll feel more uh, at peace with some of the struggles. I'll respond better to struggles in my life. I'll learn how to forgive people better. Whatever that picture of transformation is, and, and you can probably assume that whatever your picture is, God's probably going to do more than that, but you at least have to have a picture to say, this is what I really feel like God wants to do in my life, and pray about it, because you don't want it just to be what I want. You want it to be what God wants, because you may say, well, you know, I think what I want is, you know, for me to not watch TV so much or whatever. And God says, oh, that's not big enough. You know, I want you to be able to love God's word with all of your heart and gain a deeper appreciation of the word of God by the end of the year. Say, oh, that's a bigger vision. I think God's saying to me, not just don't watch TV. He's saying he wants me to love God's word. So that can be a vision. So you pray and say, what is that faith vision? What is God saying to you to say? Because if we don't have a vision, then we're like, the year goes by and go, oh, I don't know what happened the past year. I'm not sure. Well, I got a little better in this. I got a little better in that. But if you have a vision, you're really putting it before God and say, this is God. I feel like God is saying this is what he wants. So I'm really going to intentionally do something about it. I'm not just going to sit around and say, okay, I hope by the end of the year um, I'm better at this. No, I'm saying God wants me to, to have this, to have this change. He wants to do this change, and he wants me to work with him uh, to accomplish this so that when I see it, I really praise God 
that he has done this. Not I will say, oh, I did a good job. I'll praise God that I placed this before him humbly, saying, I can't do this, but I'm going to cooperate with you. And then say, praise God for what he did. Okay, so that's the first thing, faith vision. So you write that down. What does transformation look like for you this year? Now, the next part sounds a little corny, but uh, it's called a 11131 training. Okay, this is not in any book or anything like that. It just happened to turn out this way. So what's a 1131 training? Okay, so this is things that we need to do to cooperate with God. So the one, uh, the first one is pray once a week. Okay, not even pray every you know, day. Just pray once a week. Say, uh, if I want to grow in God's word and love God's word, I'm going to pray once a week for this to happen. That's the first one. And number two, memorize one theme verse. So you say, I want to, in order for me to keep this vision in my mind, I'm going to have a verse from God that I memorize so that when I get discouraged or when I you know, wonder what's, why I'm going through all this, this verse will come back to me and it will remind me that this is what God has placed in my heart. You know? So if it's God's word, you can, it can be you know, something like... Um, and on his word, he meditates day and night from Psalm 1 and say, that's going to be my memory verse. Or if it's evangelism, say, I want to be able to share the gospel more freely by the end of this year. It may be uh, from Romans saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And say, that's going to be my theme verse. And I'm going to remember that and memorize that so that uh, when times get hard, I keep remembering that's what God wants for me, you know, this year. So memorize one theme verse. So you can be a really short verse, you know, or it can be part of a verse, whatever it is that's going to keep coming back in your mind that you say, I'm going to keep remembering this, put it on my car, put it, well, not on your car, maybe, but put it on your, your, your uh, mirror or whatever, uh, on your phone, you know, just so that you keep reminding yourself, this is my theme verse, this is what God, I believe God wants to do in my life, I'm memorizing this verse. What's the next thing? Uh, read one Christian book. Uh, it helps to read a Christian book. I mean, if it really, you need something on memorizing scripture, don't just say, well, it's really hard to memorize scripture. I heard that, that uh, from, from uh, the, the Life Bible class um, that Ryan was talking about, you know, how many verses from Romans do you remember? And I heard a lot of people saying, oh, I'm really convicted that I need to memorize God's word more. We don't just say, okay, I'm going to memorize God's word more. There are actually programs or processes of books that we can buy that help us in memory, have a memory structure, memory cards. If we're really serious about memorizing God's word, Navigators has a memory program with little cards and where you make your own cards or you make your own goal or whatever. But find resources that will help you and guide you into growing in this area. If you say, you know, next year, I really want to be a, a godly parent. I want to be more involved in, in, in my, my child's life right now. My son really needs me, you know, as a father or as a mother. Read a book on what it means to be a godly father and a godly mother. Take time and say, I'm serious about this particular goal. Uh, set three goals. And we're going to talk about those three goals in a minute. So that's the number three. So set three goals in regards to this, this vision. And then finally, share with one person. So find someone, you know, to share with and say, you know, pray for me. Or you share with a bunch of people. It's up to you. But find one person that you want to share with and just say, can you pray for me in these areas? This is what I really feel like God is leading me, and I really need your prayers, and I want to walk on this journey together, and I want to celebrate with somebody as well. Okay, so everybody got this picture? Got a picture of it? Got it written down somewhere? Um, next thing, the three goals. Okay, so set three goals. Here are the three goals. So first of all, 
The first goal is something I can do right now. Okay, something I can do right now. So this is like, if you want to say, low-hanging fruit. This is an easy one. So I can do this right now. Um, so it can be like, uh, okay, if I want to be a better evangelist, I want to be able to share the gospel more. So I'm going to spend every Saturday praying for people who, in my life who don't know Jesus as Savior. So that's pretty safe. I'm like, yeah, it's, I could do that. It's not that hard. So we pray. We say, that's my low-hanging fruit. I'm going to do that. That's my goal number one. Then I want you to set goal number three. Goal number three is something I can't do right now. So this is something that you realize. You've got to push yourself. You, can't want, you don't want everything that you can do because God's going to be the one who, who makes this change. So think of something that you can't do right now. Say, well, someday I would really love to be able to share the gospel pretty freely with, with my friends at work and be bold. Say, well, I can't do that right now. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with myself. I can't do that right now but I want to, and I believe God can help me to do that. So that's, that's like later on, maybe six months from now, I want to be able to do this, okay? That's the third goal. And then the second goal is just something in between. What's going to get you from what you can do to what you can't do, what God can do? What's the thing that's going to get you there? You may say, well, maybe it's, uh, if, again, if it's sharing the gospel, it may be, maybe I can... Um, have more conversations with my coworkers. Maybe I can take my coworkers out uh, once a week. I can commit myself to go out to lunch with a coworker and just really pray that I can have a spiritual conversation with them. That's a mid-step, right? And we say, okay, that's going to be my goal three, that every other week or every week I'm going to ask one of my coworkers to go out to lunch with me, and I'm going to pray that in our conversation I can share spiritual things. And so that's kind of the middle goal to say, okay, from where I am now to where I want to get to, these are some of the things that, you know, I want to really bring before the Lord. And again, take time to sit down and say what these goals are going to be, because these are very important. Without any goals, we'll just say, I want to be a better uh, evangelist. I want to share the gospel better. And then a year from now, we'll go, I'm still afraid of sharing the gospel. You know, wow, I still haven't really done anything to, I better share the gospel with my coworker really fast because there's only three weeks left in this year and I haven't done anything yet. No, have some goals to work to it. And, you know, if you don't meet them, it's okay. You know, we've set them before the Lord and God may have other goals in mind. He may have other things that he wants to change. He may have other ways in which uh, he wants to mold us, but we want to set these things before the Lord and ask God to speak to us, to lead us. And, and so that we can say that, hey, I am in my way doing my best to train myself to be godly, to put myself in that place where God, where I'm trusting that God in his goodness is going to answer prayer and going to really make a change. And I, I believe that more often than not, you will see something. I, I'm trusting that by the end of the year for all of us here, we will have stories to tell. We will have things that we see in our lives and say, these are things that have been bugging me for years now. I've, every year I've always wished it and I never seem to get better, never seem to be able to conquer this thing. And maybe this year is the year where you say, wow, God has done something in my life that I never thought he could do. And I praise God that I'm a little bit 
better. Or God has done a little bit more in my life in this area and has changed me, uh, made me more like Jesus than, than I was 365 days ago. But this is, again, something that needs um, our intent and, our, and our, our investment to make this happen. So, again, pray, do this. If we really want transformation, we really want God to work, we really want to change, we used to say, put your money where your mouth is. We do the things that God says we need to do and let God do the work, okay? So again, everybody have that picture? Got, got that on your phone or wherever you want? Set those goals. And so we want to ask finally, you know, what is the reward of spiritual transformation? You know, going through this hard work of experiencing these struggles. We'll look again at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And look at all the kind of positive words here. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights or like stars in the world. Hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain. For even if I am poured out as a drink offering, uh, upon the sacrifice of the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. And you look at these, look at like these positive words, for it is his good pleasure that God is saying, man, I am, well, I don't know, God's saying, I am so excited that I can do these good and wonderful things in your life right now. God's saying, I'm thrilled, I'm excited, I'm ready to get going even right now, and I'm excited because God's saying, you know, God's saying, I'm already excited because I can already see what I'm gonna do in your life, and I'm really thrilled, and I can't wait to see when you get there, and you'll be excited too. So this is for God's good pleasure, that he's really excited to see what, to, to, to be able to do these things in our life, that God's gonna be smiling, he's gonna be encouraged, he's, he's gonna be rejoicing in the things that, that he's gonna do in our lives, that we shine like stars in the world. We live in a crooked, really messed up generation. We know that. Wherever we go, we know how terrible sin is, how much it has hurt our friends, people around us. And we want to shine like stars. That's what God says. He says, if, as you allow me to work in your lives, to work out your salvation, Work out that salvation in, at work. Work out that salvation in your community. Work out that salvation in your home or wherever you go. You're going to, we are going to shine like lights, like stars in the darkness, wherever we go. That's what he's going to do. And then Paul says, even if I'm poured out like a drink offering, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. Okay, drink offering is... This is like pouring, pouring on the altar of sacrifice. Like literally my, my blood is being poured out on the altar. Like even if like I am in like the worst possible situation where my life is just being poured out for the sake of Jesus Christ, he says, I am glad and I rejoice. And we'll rejoice together. 
and nothing will take away the joy that we will have. Nothing in this world will take that away. No circumstances, no hard circumstances or even tragedies will take away this joy because we see the transforming work of Jesus Christ in our lives, day to day, year by year. Our situations may not get better, like our outward situations may not get better, but inwardly, we will be a different people. And in that, there will be so much rejoicing that circumstances cannot take away. So this is, this, is, this is why we are doing what we're doing, why we put ourselves in this place, and by faith, really believe with hope that this is what God's going to do among us. So let's go ahead and let's just spend some time in quietness before the Lord right now.